This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hello, here we are then. Welcome to the last day in this little sustainable-ish parenting mini-series, which is celebrating the launch of my new book, The Sustainable-ish Guide to Green Parenting, which came out yesterday. Do check out episode 93 if you haven't already, which fills you in a little bit on what's in the book and who it's for. And if you fancy it, you can grab yourself a copy everywhere you can buy books. So here we are then with day five. It's been a real blast and I feel like we haven't even skimmed the surface of a lot of sustainable-ish parenting, but I hope you've enjoyed the episodes this week. Parent or not, all of the women I've spoken to are hugely inspiring and so brilliantly demonstrate the power that we all have to create positive change. On Monday, we heard from Ellie Jackson, author of the Wild Tribe Heroes books, about talking to our kids around the climate crisis and empowering them to take action. Tuesday saw me chatting to Rachel Boyette, author of Little Veggie Eats, about getting our kids on board, eating more veggie meals, hopefully. Wednesday was all about kids' clothes, with Charlotte Morley, founder of The Little Loop, about renting our kids' clothes, why we should do it and how it works. And yesterday was the unavoidable topic of nappies with a brilliant episode from Laura Tweedale all about reusable nappies. And to round off the week today, we are heading back to school. Unless you homeschool, and the last year has demonstrated to me that I am really not cut out for homeschooling, and I absolutely take my hat off to those of you who choose to do that, then our kids will, COVID permitting, spend a lot of their time at school. Schools can have a huge impact, not only in teaching our kids about the planet and the climate crisis and what they can do about it, but also in connecting with the wider school community and making wider change happen as well. I absolutely loved this chat with Lee Ray Davis, who is the Eco Schools Manager for England, about the Eco Schools programme, the impact that it has, and how we might be able to get our schools involved. Enjoy. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm very excited. I'm fangirling a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Can you introduce yourself? Tell us us a little bit about you and tell us about Eco Schools. Yeah, sure. So my name is Lee Ray Davis. I'm the Eco Schools Manager for England at Keep Growing Tidy and have been for the past five years. Um, Prior to that, I was a geography, environmental science teacher for just over 16 years. 
and a mum of two. So kind of working, juggling and being eco, being green and um, being a parent at the same time. So that's why I was excited about joining this today. So the Eco Schools programme, though, we've been around for 27 years now. Wow. It's the largest environmental education programme in the world. It's actually UNESCO based. Wow. We're currently in 70 countries with about 59,000 schools um, on the Eco Schools programme. And what's wonderful is if you're an eco school in England, an eco school in Switzerland, an eco school in Australia, Canada, we all follow the same seven step framework through to the Eco Schools Green Flag Award, which many children ask, yes, actually really is a green flag that you can fly outside your school. <laughs> That's been a very popular question recently. Oh, amazing. So um, how old are your kids? I have, gosh, I'd think then, I have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old, yeah, I would just say it's, it's their first day with them both back, so I'm I'm a little lost. <laughs> and how has, um, you know, homeschooling and COVID, because I think, you know, teenagers have had it really tough, haven't they? Yeah, it's a bit, my eldest, because she is applying for university, and we're kind of in this weird limbo, we don't know what to do, because we've mm. not been able to go down for open days, and, and luckily I used to, like, head of UCAS and help students write UCAS so I've been able to put teacher head on, but it's just, there's this uncertainty of, of what it's going to be like actually yeah. going to uni. So she's quite stressed about that. And my 15-year-old this morning was like, I'm out of the door, gone, quick. She's desperate to see friends, desperate to see friends. Oh my goodness. Now we first got in touch um, because you very kindly helped with um, book number one, The sustainable Living Guide, and you gave me loads of information about sort of eco schools to go in the schools chapter there and so we're recording this in the run-up or sort of in the week that book number two is coming out which is the sustainable-ish guide to green parenting so school is a massive part of our children's lives but also our lives when we've got school-aged children obviously what does it mean for a school to be an eco school so I think like I said before because we're because you're the so if you kind of there's tick the boxes, it's the highest accreditation, it's UNESCO, it's global. But more importantly, I think for teachers and for eco committee members, you're joining this network. So it, you can share best practice or kind of perfect for sustainable-ish worst practice. Mm. But there's this network of non-judgmental teachers, eco committees who are all sharing ideas to be a little bit greener. And what's really good is you can be someone that's pretty new to this so you could be a newly qualified teacher but you're just looking for something new a new project to do and you could be speaking with through like our Facebook groups someone who's maybe been an eco-coordinator in their school for over 20 years and what's great is both of them can share ideas and best practices because mm. there's always something new to do and there's always something that you can work on so yes you can get the award but for me it's more important that there's this network for um, kind of teachers to get involved in and it can sometimes be a little bit lonely being the maybe the only person in your school who's the, the green person. Mm, definitely. And it could be, especially now when teachers have been like teaching from home as mm. well as kind of teaching their own children to know like, am I the only one doing this? Yes. So it's nice to know that in England there's 20,000, 20,200 other eco-coordinators wow. who are trying to do the same thing in their schools. And they're, they're right through, so we might have people that are working in early years, in preschools, right through to like when I used to in, in FE in colleges as well, and all doing the same seven steps. So yeah, it's a big family, but it's a little family. It means oh. a lot. Why would a school bother becoming an eco-school? Or why should a school worry about being an eco-school? 
But I think that as well depends on who the registered eco-coordinator is. Sometimes we get head teachers who might become the eco-coordinator. So that might be, they might be looking for another accreditation for their school. Sometimes we get, if it's an academy, we get estate managers um, Mm -hmm. who register. So they could be looking simply to be making um, savings for Mm -hmm. energy and water. Sometimes you've got that one amazing, passionate teacher who is the person that's signing up. And they're the ones who are doing it for their pupils to give them mm. a wider experience. And that's probably what 99% of our eco coordinators are. And then we've got as well, we've got a lot of pupil referral units and SEN schools. Oh, wow. And they use the eco schools program as a different way to deliver the curriculum because with it, with it, there's a lot of elements where you can have outdoor education mm. as well. It's the flexibility. And because the program is entirely child-led, basic it's we the children decide what they want to do how they want to do it and they monitor it so it gives them that confidence Mm. so it's great there's loads of transferable life skills for your pupils to kind of develop so from things like public speaking even things down to budgeting depending on what they want to do on their action plan Mm -hmm. so it can vary we get lots of parents as well actually now more and more who are reaching out and saying is our school an eco school Mm -hmm. We're very eco at home and we want to make sure that our child is going to be attending the school with the same ethos as well. So that's good. And we've actually um, on the website, we've got a letter that if you're a parent and you want to find out, you can you can download it and you can send it into the head teacher at the school and say, look, is my child's school an eco school? If not, why not? Or if you are, can we help? Because mm. there's so many parents out there that could probably help support the schools with their action, whether that be time or resources. So, yeah, just reach out to your school and ask, I would say, as well. Amazing. So I'm a parent and, and I'm sort of looking at my school and I'm thinking, as you said, you know, I'm trying to do all these these changes at home. I don't really know what can be done at school. I think it's especially difficult at the moment because... I guess we're all so appreciative of everything that the teacher's been doing, how much everything has been turned upside down. How do we go about having that conversation with our school without it being like, here's another thing for you guys to do when you're already, you know, I'm really, really conscious that, you know, my school are probably, you know, frantically just running to keep still and all these different things that are going on in the secondary schools are sorting out the lateral flow tests and blah, blah, blah. And then some idiot like me is going to come along and go, are you an eco school? What can you do about eco stuff? Do you know, like, how, how do we go about doing that? Yeah, I know. It's it's nothing. You kind of feel like that you're just putting more on the teachers mm. to do. To be honest, because we've delivered, we've had to do so much. We've made all of our training online for all of the teachers. And we've, we've, um, we must have trained up nearly 300 teachers just in the past couple of months. Wow. They're actually saying to us, we really would like some more help and support setting stuff up and running things. So it's the complete opposite. Our teachers are telling us, we'd really like to know to the point before, like, have we got parents out there who can help us? Mm. So a really common thing is rather than just go, are you an eco school? What are you doing about it? And this is what some parents did for me. It was like, oh, we've got some gardening equipment. We've got some litter pickers. Do you need them? Does your school mm. need them? Is there anything we can do? So if you've got things like, rather than just say, are you, it's an opportunity for you to say to the school, look, I've got these resources. I've got these skills. Um, I'm part of this local group. We're doing this activity at home. Do you think this is something that you can help or support you if you're an eco school? So kind yeah. of more going to them as, is this something else that you can do? Instead, it's more, 
I can help you should you choose mm. to, want to go through the Eco Schools program. But definitely, please do reach out because our teachers are saying to us, we need a bit of help. I mean, mm. the most common, honestly, I know I keep saying, but the most common one is gardening equipment or plants or right. flowers or um, even like, I know at the moment it's a little bit difficult, but even things like in before and after school clubs, we've had grandparents who have gone in and teach children how to sew buttons wow. back on and to repair things in school uniforms because they've had a school uniform upcycling station. Mm. So kind of go to the school with an offer of how you can help with the Eco Schools Award. And I think it's also really important to sort of acknowledge or to think, because a lot of us, and, and I would, you know, count myself in this, will think, oh God, you know, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to say, you know, had you guys thought about the sort of eco schools process? And I'd really, you know, but they're going to ask me to help and I'm not an expert and I don't know what I'm doing and I can't do an after school club. And, but, you know, and I make this point in the book that actually, you know, I've, I've gone in and done an assembly for, for my kids' school and it was literally 10 minutes on plastics, you know, and I took in reusable coffee cups, reusable water bottles, reusable bags, and they were so engaged and it was, you know, I didn't nobody needs to be an expert to do this stuff you yeah. just need to be passionate and engaged and able to talk to them so yeah I think you had sort of parents who've gone like oh I, no I can't do that I can't do that and they're like oh wow I can do that it's it's I've said this before and it's it's in the first book isn't it that that's it's actually can be a little bit daunting to seem mm. to be seen and yes. so this is and we've said before with with eco schools with our teachers with our pupils with the parents who are supporting them we, we start you off at pale green. So just the smallest, smallest yes. little action and through the Eco Schools programme, through supporting your schools, you can both become more environmental. You're never doing anything wrong. If you're trying and you're doing something, that is better than doing nothing mm. at all. Mm. And I mean, worst case scenario, going to a school and say, can I help? Can I do something? And the teacher says, just not this minute because we've got to get, do a couple of weeks of lateral flow testing. Yes. Yeah. But that teacher will now know that you're there and one of the eco school steps is informing and involving. So our schools do actually have to involve the local community and families and parents. So a really good thing you could do is maybe not now, if you're thinking, well, what can I do and how can I help is, and I did this in my own children when they were at primary school, is, you know, when you've got your Christmas fairs or your summer fairs, have a little green stall and can mm. you volunteer your time? And <laughs> this is the most basic and it's my level of art skill. We went out and we collected twigs off the playground. And then for the Christmas card stall, we, we glued a stick to a green piece of card and put some green tape over it. And we made like Christmas tree Christmas cards. Yeah. They sold and my skill there was zero. But they raised some money for the school grounds and they put some scooter stations oh, in. Oh, amazing. And that was just really, really simple. And it was just through the PTA doing helping with the school fairs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So talk us through the process. So either there's a really engaged teacher or the head wants to do it, or sometimes I guess that can come from a really engaged PTA member or something like that. What, what, what's the first thing we need to do? If, you, if it's the parent who's interested, you will need to get somebody that's employed by the school to register because okay. they need access to various school records and so on. So you get whoever it would be would register with the Eco Schools programme via our website. And that's free. There's no, there's no cost for that. And then once they're registered with the programme, what the teacher and the school will be able to access is, is lots of additional resources. So if you do go onto our website, you might think, oh, there's not that much on there. It's because they're all kind of hidden on the back okay. to, yep. to log in and to work through. And what's great as well is we've got a set of resources for nurseries, 
a set of resources for primary and a set of resources for secondary. Amazing. They're slightly different. And so they would register. And then the first job is step one is form an eco-committee. So what they would do is they would ask them to get, and it's, it's just school council. It's a school council. And that can sometimes be, you just go to the school council. I did that and said, who are the green people in this group? Come and join me for another meeting. So they set up a student council. And then what we ask them to do is we ask the children to do step two, which is carry out an environmental review. And so what the children do is they walk around the school, they have a look around school, and we've got already pre-made audits that the children carry out and they answer. So for the nursery ones, it might just be simply they put a little smiley face if they're happy with something. Whereas with the secondary ones, they can do statistical analysis of the results, depending on how much detail they want Mm. to do. Once they've done their environmental review, the children in the eco-committee then will come up with their action plan, that's step three. And for the first green flag, they would need to work on three of our different eco-schools topic areas, which are all environmental-based. And the children come up with, with what they want to do. It's entirely down to them. So, for instance, we had a school in North Manchester, and the children wanted to, um, they wanted a llama farm. That was their plan. That was what they were going to imagine being the teacher on that going, okay, she did say student-led. Oh, <laughs> credit to the teacher, the eco-coordinator went, okay, go and ask the caretaker. So they went and asked the caretaker who then said, well, obviously went pale, and then said, no, you can't do that. And, for all, and the children were like, that's fine, no problem. Went back, scribbled out on the action plan. We'd like some chickens instead. Go and ask the caretaker, caretaker. No, I, and backwards and forwards until eventually they grew spring onions oh they loved their spring onions because they were their spring onions they didn't it didn't matter they didn't have their llama farm and that's what the action plan is and this is when we're saying before about levels of knowledge that you have mm. this got, went from caring for llamas to growing to spring onions it, it didn't matter so that's kind of once you've done steps one two and three a school can apply for our bronze award which is self-assessed and free and then step four and this is the one that's big one for me at the moment is curriculum links so what we're doing is we're asking schools to find where in the curriculum there are eco actions and what's really important is we can green the curriculum we have now we can't wait around for it to mm. a new thing to come along so what we're doing is we're working very closely with different groups like the Hallel Orchestra in Manchester to look at how the entire curriculum can be greened wow so maths and history and then at tertiary level, it could be like BTEC Hair and Beauty, how that can all be yes. in the classroom as well. And the students find those examples. And then um, step five is where parents can help. It's informing and involving, like I said before. So the more people that can get involved in the eco-schools work. So the school kind of becomes the hub and the eco-action spills out into the local community mm. and the local groups as well. Once they've done that, they can apply for their silver award, which is, again, self-assessed free online. And then finally, the last couple of steps, step six is monitoring and evaluation. So this is the idea where the the children, the teachers, the community have a look at what they plan to do. Did it work? Mm -hmm. Obviously, at the moment, things haven't worked. What schools Mm. have adapted? And then if it didn't work, maybe why didn't it work? What could they do better? So, for instance, something like a school once uh, they were growing raspberries and they were doing little bar charts of how many raspberries they could each day. And then suddenly it dropped off. And I was like, did you eat all your raspberries? Have they gone? This no, we forgot to put the net over. And so the, the birds, birds ate all the raspberries, but we're never going to do that again. Yes. It's like, perfect. That's monitoring and evaluation. 
And then finally, your last step is your eco code. And basically, it's your little mantra, your song, your dance, your rap, your poem of what your eco actions are. When you've done all of those, you submit your application form and we self assess, we desk assess everything. And then your school gets your green flag. Now, I have to fly, I have to say there is a £200 fee for that, but that, because Keep Britain's Tidy We Are a charity, is that keeps the lights on, that pays mm. for the postage and package and the flags. Um, and that's kind of the top level accreditation that you can have. And then we ask every school to renew that every two years with some more different actions. And we've got a school, our first ever eco school that got their green flag in 1998. Um, and they have still got their green flag. Oh, wow. Uh, their, their eco coordinator actually just retired last November. But it's been the same eco coordinator. They wow. started off looking at CFCs and the hole in the ozone layer. Oh, my goodness, yes. And ended up looking at PPE litter. So wow. you just would never have imagined all the different things. So in a very nutshell, that's that's the eco schools program. That's amazing. So how many schools in the UK are registered for the eco schools program? I'm Keep Britain Tidy, but Keep Britain Tidy actually only run the eco schools program in England. Oh, okay, yeah. So in England, we've got just over 20,200 people that have been engaged with the eco schools program. And then, like you say, they're all working through that seven steps and globally. 59,000 across about 70 different countries. Again, if you are an eco-coordinator in Ghana or an eco-coordinator in England, you're doing those steps to green flag. Amazing. So as like, I have no idea how many schools have we got in England? Is that a a 10% of schools? Is that, you know, more? Yeah, we're looking at just pushing up to nearly 90% of the schools that we've, we've got in England. And what we've found recently is that we've got some of the big academy chains have been coming to us now and saying, look, we want to make sure that all of our academies by a set date have got them. But then you've got to take into account there's, there's private nurseries, the childminders as well. So there's a good proportion who are all doing some form of eco-action. Some 90%? It's probably we're looking at is probably about that level. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Now I'm really cross that my school isn't an eco school. Like, why? Come on, guys, pull your finger out. <laughs> that's what's wonderful about it, though, is that they're all they're all at different levels. Yes. Even if even if you're somebody that's only just found out about the program today and you register today, there is something that you might know that could help somebody, like that eco coordinator mm. who's been with since 90, well, 94 actually when wow. I registered. You probably could swap and share ideas. There's always something. Yeah. You You mentioned teacher training that you've had teachers coming through your training process. Talk to us about that. Is that an official process that teachers have to go through to be able to deliver it? Or can can anybody do it to get people started? So just purely because of capacity, at the moment, we've only got the training open to our eco-coordinators because what a lot of people don't realise is we're only a team of four. Mm. Um, So... At the moment, we've always done eco schools training, day training, and the teacher would come along and we'd show them how to do the eco program. It's completely voluntary because obviously we, it's a voluntary program, so we're never going to force anybody to come and do any training on on the program. But we were doing that day training, obviously face to face, we couldn't do that anymore. So we set up a series of kind of bite sized mm. online training sessions for teachers. And what was really great about those is we actually. We had like this, it was very informal. It was like um, a staff room chat about oh, what nice. people do. And then we sent our teachers a little pack, little challenges and things. And then over three weeks, then we met up again. How did that go? Did that work? And what's been great is all of our teachers have 
managed to work through we've had so many green flags they've not stopped amazing absolutely not stopped at all green flags have been coming in and, and it's been great because we've learned from them because they've told us certain things like um for world book day and, and actually before that they were asking for um a list like a green library of mm. books and guess whose book was on there oh blessing eco books so we've run that for teachers. Now, one of the things we did say is the topic training one that we run, this one's just finished, actually. We invited parents, anybody to come along to those topic training ones, just because what we found is during lockdown, we launched Eco Schools at Home. Mm. Um, and so we adapted the Eco Schools program so it could be done with remote learning. And we thought, well, actually, let's invite parents, homeschoolers along to the topic training as well. It is something we're looking to expand. And regardless of schools going back, actually, the support that we've had from families to help the schools and then families just being interested themselves. Mm. We're going to keep the Eco Schools at Home kind of campaign, which we want to teach primary award for as well. And it's just showing really simply, exactly like you have in your book, how you can do very small things, but lots of small things being done by lots mm. and lots of people adds up. And that's a huge, massive impact. And it could be your eco, your schools and eco school, and it helps you do it at home. It could be the other way around. You're doing something at home, and actually, it helps the school. Yeah. It's just this network and development. But hopefully, yes, my ultimate goal would be that we could have eco coordinator training, pupil training, parent training, anybody. Amazing. Else. So that to be the eco coordinator, you have to be an employed member of staff so as a, as a PTA member you couldn't be the eco coordinator but you could support the PTA you could support the eco coordinator we, the only reason we say you've got to be employed is obviously you've got to hold eco committee meetings with the children mm. you've got safeguarding yes issues. yeah 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 and then also you, you, you need a room and then mm. if there's thing or a zoo if there's something that they want to do in the school grounds and planting yes. you'd be able to get into this so that's the only reason why we say that but we do have and we had actually on the training just the other night PTA um, members who are the eco coordinators, but their heads or a member of staff is mm. given them permission yes. to access. They've been safeguarded and they yeah, can work yeah, with yeah. them. But for something like the informing and involving step, even if you're not the eco coordinator, you can still come in and offer support with mm. the school and see what um, help you can give the teachers as well. And yeah, brilliant. And so the the training piece is that a, um, is there a cost for coming and doing the training? Yeah, so the cost is, so depending on what you want to do, so the little short three-week course that we said is £40. Oh, brilliant. Um, and so what that is, is like we say, we've got two, um, well, they're supposed to be a 40-minute Zoom call, but I think the one we had last night was going on for about two hours because we all just wanted to talk and continue. And in the end, we were all like, we need to stop. Yeah. Um, so you come on and you have these kind of face-to-face -face support calls, and there's a great little, for each, for each module that you come on, there's like a little textbook, a little guide with challenges and things to help you. And then I think actually the, the best part, again, I said right at the start, is in that training group, you get to meet all the other people mm. and that really becomes your little class, your little yeah. program, group of other teachers, and you've got that support. And they're nice sized classes. We don't get them classes teacher head on. <laughs> there's never more than probably we try to keep it to a maximum of about 30 in a group. So yeah. everybody can have a chat and get involved and share. And we try and get you from all over the country. Mm. I get some from a nursery, some from a college as well. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, it's it's the network, it's resources, mm. it's the chat, it's 
Or as one teacher said, I get to ask lots of stupid questions on here. That was a bit too scared to ask. <laughs> we love stupid questions. Anybody I love a stupid question. question. That's the most important question to yes, ask. Yes, definitely. Oh, the curriculum links. Um, that's And I remember you saying to me for the first book, like probably one of the best things you can do if you're the teacher sort of trying to get this off the ground and especially I guess maybe in secondary school where you've got loads of different teachers teaching different subjects is to is rather than say to them come up with a whole eco area for me go through the existing curriculum and can you just highlight for me the bits that are already relevant so that you're not having to kind of recreate the wheel and I just think that god yeah though that's so simple that was something I did probably Probably in about 2007, I was made like the curriculum manager at our college. And, and one of the things that our director, who was an Ofsted inspector, said was we want to find out where there's sustainability because it was for the green school sustainable mm. school in all of the curriculum. And I was like, I can't ask my colleagues to do more work because yes, exactly. you've got your scheme of work and then you're always adding extra columns on as things mm. read. And I thought, I, ca I can't do that. And I know my staff are doing lots of things. So we just had a meeting. I said, can everybody bring their existing scheme of work in with me? And I, I very simply explained social sustainability, economic sustainability and physical sustainability and said, now I want you all to go through with your highlighter pen and, and physically just highlight where those things are in the curriculum. And everybody, even like um, A-level further maths, they, they found wow. something that could be done. So I collated them all in and just went, right, thank you very much. You've all done it. And they were like, what? I said, you've done it. You've highlighted it already in the curriculum. And then one of my friends who was in the media department made a lovely little poster that everybody could put on their classroom door to go, oh, those things that I highlighted, this is where we're a green course. So we managed to do that for 35 curriculum areas wow. in the college. And that's what we deliver. That's what I get. we're getting our schools to do as well now. Mm. We're to do those examples and do that because... We, we should have, we need a green curriculum, but if we have a green curriculum, the likelihood is it's, it's going to be given to the geography and the science yes. teacher and the coordinator who are already doing it. Mm. And we need to help them and we need to support them. And just because somebody teaches maths or teaches music doesn't mean that they're not interested. Mm. They don't need to be overlooked. They could potentially, actually, we can tweak and alter what we've got to deliver mm. and we can make it green and we can make it eco. So I, uh, I visited a school once and they were, the children were doing some maths practice for the stats ex exams. Um, and instead of using the standard maths examples to convert from percentages to fractions, the children had got their um, meter readings from the um, electric box and mm. they were having a look through. And what they decided to do was convert from percentages to fractions. So we took the reading on this day and it was this, and we took the reading on this day. What is the percentage increase? Mm. So they were doing real life maths. Yes. From their, and that was their monitoring and evaluation. And the young boy that was doing it, he was like, that was my idea. Oh, love and him. Yeah. And the teacher was like, yeah, that was a really good idea. And he wasn't, he said, I don't normally like maths, but I like this maths. Oh. And it was because it was data that they'd collected and they'd made maths eco. They, they, and then it kind of prompted this talk about, well, why do you think the percentage increase was higher on this day? And yes. It was lower on that day. Mm, yeah. And I, I talk, um, you know, thinking about things that, especially when it was lockdown, you know, thinking about things you could do with the kids and how actually, you know, you can go out and do a litter pick and you can shoehorn so much homeschooling into that. You can talk about, um, as you said, the sort of social responsibility. You can talk about the, you know, what is plastic? Where does it come from? Why does it hang around for so long? You can do bar charts of what you've found. Um, you do some letter writing to the manufacturers and stuff like that. And there's, 
so many ways that actually once we stop and think about it we're like oh god yeah no I can shoehorn loads of, I can either have an eco activity that I can shoehorn loads of curriculum stuff into or vice versa as well um, and I think when the curriculum is already so full to be able to say to teachers look I'm not asking you to to do anything extra we can just tweak what you're already doing and make it so that it, it's making it as easy as possible isn't it when our poor teachers are already so kind of under under it I think our, my ultimate thing so what's the goal with ecoschools what's your what's what do you want to and as actually I, my goal for ecoschools is it's terrible to say that ecoschools doesn't have to exist mm. because it's just happening it's all all teachers are doing it's just become a matter of course yeah in the, in the school that there is environmental education across all curriculum there are actions that's going on at playtime, lunch, break, school fair, everything can mm. be It's not an add-on, it's just something that's yeah. done from there and integrated. So in terms of deliverables almost, what kinds of impacts have you seen from schools going along this process and whether they end up being green flag or they um, you know, get their bronze and, and sort of rest there for a little while? Have there been kind of um, savings in terms of you know, financial savings? Have there been really great connections forged with communities have there been kids who've been empowered to go on and do x y and z you must have some really lovely stories again it depends on how you want to look at this so you could do it you could look at it from like um the senior management position in a school and say based on these things the school has saved this amount on their energy bill this amount on their water mm. bill. so there's financial savings and and those will vary depending on kind of the level of engagement that children have had and and changes that they've been able to make and yes the financial savings are great but for me and I think this is just being a teacher and a parent it's those case studies when a school comes to you we had a competition during um, lockdown we had an art competition and there was a particular girl that had entered and lovely, beautiful drawing. And, and, um, and we shared it. We just happened to retweet it. And they said to us, thank you. The teacher messenger said, thank you so much, because that particular child is very, very shy. She's maybe picked on by some of the other children. But because that was retweeted and shared and we were like, this is amazing. Look, this, this is wonderful. We couldn't draw something this good. Apparently, when she walked into class, they walk up and go, no, no oh. way, you're not shared. And she was a bit like, so that for me is like, oh, amazing. Yeah. And then I delivered um, a school conference once and there was a young boy who came in and his teacher said, oh, he's, he's a little bit naughty. So he might be a little bit loud during the presentation. So we'll sit him near the door. I said, fine, no problem. And so we were talking and he, and he was. He was and the, but then I mentioned about how big the eco-school program was. And there's 19 and a half million children doing the eco-school wow. program. And he stopped and he was like really well behaved for the rest of the thing. And so at the end, of it, I said, oh, did you, like, did you enjoy it? And he said, yeah, it was great. He said, because I'm not embarrassed anymore now, because if I pick up one piece of litter off the floor, that doesn't matter because there's 19 and a half million other children picking up one piece Aww. of litter off the floor. So that's really good. And then he made me a paper pirate hat, which oh, that, was, that was wonderful. So it's those little anecdotes for me that are important. Mm. But then we also get feedback from teachers just saying, certainly for the A-level students and so on, it's this idea that it's confidence building. It's, I mean, we we did, it's ended now, but we did just last month. We worked with um, Good Energy, who's the mm. UK yeah. energy company. And we were looking to recruit six young people to join their youth board. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yes, yeah. 
So we've now, I can't say names, but we've now picked the six. Uh-huh. We have just shot the thousand applications. Wow. I've just, if you ever need a positivity boost, I kind of just dip into My these God. now because they're so fantastic. But that's now just given six young individuals this opportunity to influence the UK leading energy company. They Amazing. are going to be having the say on that and the confidence that's linked to that. And we've managed to, I'm going to be contacting the children, what they, the impact of that, and I can't say too much just yet, mm. but the impact of that has made us go, we need to, we need to give these children more of a voice. Yes. So we're going to be developing some new stuff. So we're not just, it is a student-led programme. We make resources as for teachers, for teachers, but actually why can't those children be helping us make resources for the programme? So there'll be something coming soon where we're going to be doing a bit of a shout out to children from all different yeah. areas, different curriculum areas to actually physically tell us what they want, mm. what they want us to make. And we're not just for schools, we're at home as well. What resources can help mums and dads and families get involved? Amazing. And that brings me really nicely, actually. I was going to ask you about, so the Eco Schools at Home, you had this hashtag going, didn't you, um, over lockdown? But tell us a little bit more about that. When it was announced that schools were going to close and a few teachers had said, oh, we don't want to stop for work. And so we kind of kind of sat down and thought, well, what can we do? And then thought, well, what was I, what have I done with my own students in the past? What have we done with my own children in the mm. past? So we thought, well, actually, one of our steps is informing and involving. So let's put a spin on this. Let's make the homeschooling part of informing and involving. So we took each of our topic actions and every week for 10 weeks on a Tuesday evening at eight o'clock when we knew parents might be settling down with maybe a glass of wine or not, depending on how stressful homeschooling has been. But when they were sat down and we were like, right, here are your challenges for biodiversity this week. Wow. And what we did, we might might not have necessarily known, but our teachers picked up on, is every one of those challenges was somehow linked to the curriculum. So it could have been linked to history one week, it could have been science one week and so on. And we set, because we knew obviously in families, there were some stories of people were homeschooling or doing something with a four-year-old, then maybe a seven-year-old, then a 12-year-old, and so on. And so we made sure, so we'd set something like, um, it might be something to do with trees going outside. So it would be basically the same task of having a look at a tree and doing some work around a tree, but a version of that task for preschool and a version of that task for a teenager mm. to keep it cool and yes. maybe do a TikTok, you know, that type of thing leads to it. So we set those every week and we did 10 of them and they just took off and schools wow. were sending them home as eco-schools homework. And then we uh, we partnered with and we have Frugi, the organic mm. clothing company, who are the most wonderful organisation to work with. They they just put their heart and soul into everything. And they um, we did a 10-day challenge with them. And we got some various Instagram influencers to launch challenges. And we got Radzi from Blue Peter, Helen Glover. Wow. Uh, and they introduced some and set some of the challenges as well for homeschoolers. And it was just like for 10 days. And, wow. and then just last week, we launched um, the Eco Schools at Home Seven Steps. So we've now done a version of the seven steps that you can do in your house at home. So you can form your own family eco committee, do your own home audit. But we've made sure everything that you have is whether or not you're living in, in an urban area or a rural area, there is no cost associated with them. You might not have any outdoor space, mm. but we can get you to find a way, even just if it's like the moss or the lichen growing on a doorstep, we'll find you a way of doing something green and eco. What you just said about the the at home, you know, and, and forming a family eco committee and things. So many of the 
questions I guess I get are how do I get the family on board especially maybe if you've got teenagers you know I, again I'm aware this is a massive stereotype but you know how do I get the family on board how do I get my partner on board you know getting the family around the table and it doesn't have to be a right everyone come and sit down we're going to have a chat about this I guess it can just be you know over Sunday lunch or whatever like oh I've, I've listened to this podcast or I've been reading this book and, and they had this idea of forming this family eco committee and what do you guys think you know and, and giving them some of that ownership around this because I'm really aware that a lot of the time I'm like you can't do this you're not allowed that you can't do that like no you can't have this in your lunchbox and and their poor kids are like what I just want to be like my friends but to, to say to them, OK, well, you know, maybe we're going to do a plastic order or to do that sort of home audit and to get them. Because at the moment, I think my kids think that's mum's thing. Do you know, like mum's over there and she's doing that. And I don't need to kind of engage in that particularly. Whereas, you know, I, I need to get on with this, I think, and, and get them on board and, and feeling a bit of ownership around it, a bit of leadership around it. There's lots, and like you say, you can get them sat down. We, we, I've just done, like, just last week, we've just done with my own children, actually, and just a little bit, it's like, you know, the, we've got headphones and chargers and all sorts, I think we're all over the place, mm. and I was just conscious that, actually, there's so many, so much electric equipment, little bits of the headphones and the chargers, and, and everybody's probably got them dotted all over the house. Mm. So it was just like, can you go round and collect any chargers or sockets or anything that we think we've got lying around somewhere, and let's put them all in one place because we don't need to buy them and we found a silly example but we found we found a plug and the iron is broken and so it ended up becoming a lesson showing them how to hire a plug but it's just simple things i'm not saying be careful when you're doing that of course but it's just this idea that it was to do with the electronics Mm. so it could be again with teenagers this idea of it could potentially be fashion it could be something more like social media like well, can you find an influencer who's particularly mm. interested in environmental issues? Because I want to follow them. Mm. Can you find them for me? Yes. That type of thing. Um, like my children, we're all veggie vegan and it's like, right, this is your night to cook. So you can cook Amazing. whatever you want. It's veggie, but you cook whatever yes. you want. It's entirely your choice um, of what you want to make. And I'm not going to say, but sometimes they probably weigh better than anything that I would <laughs> Might become a day and that might become something happening every night. That yeah. Um, so all those eco schools at home resources, are they, can we find them on the website? Can we go back and do the 10 day challenge on our own? Can we find those 10 week things that you did? Yeah, of course. If you go onto, on our website, there's um, there's a page, there's a section called eco projects. And obviously they're for the schools to download and they're linked to the seven steps. But as a family, you go on there and download them. There's the hashtag eco schools at home and there's the, the 10 weeks worth of challenges. There's a 10 day challenge. There's the, the seven step one I said. And then there's also, we've got um, a campaign called We Love Our Stuff, which is for schools to gather on with school uniform to have a bit of a sale. Mm. Nothing to stop you doing that at home as well, going through all your cupboards, having to sort out and then either repairing clothes passing them down to family members and giving them a bit of a revamp um, or then maybe when we can do donating them to charities mm. and, and so on. So you could take the school projects and do it at home. That's that's fantastic. And if you do, let your school know that you've got, oh yeah, we did this project yeah. as well. We got the information from Eco Schools. <laughs> yeah, great, informing and involving tick. Brilliant. Yes. Family's done that. That's great. Oh, amazing. So what's the website address? Where can we come and find you? So if you literally just go Eco Schools England, you'll find it on there. When you click on the homepage, there'll be um, the Eco Projects. We've got a really good one at the moment, and it's 
super and it's a bit of a bit of a passion for my so it's on mental health and well-being of young people with Amazing. the whole eco-anxiety so we've got something called mindfulness minutes at the moment and that has actually got a family version of the of the guide oh, and it's this idea of um the big thing with eco schools is there's always something that you can do we're always going to celebrate positivity there's something that you can do to take eco action and so it's kind of mental health and well-being, appreciating the nature that you've got on your doorstep, because then you can use that. If you're healthy, happy and healthy, the planet will be. Mm. Um, and so we're asking families, schools to carry out four weeks of mindfulness minutes. And then we're going to collate the totals. And I've set myself a target of one million minutes of mindfulness <gasps> before the end of June. <laughs> but I mean, even at Keep Britain Tidy, our staff have been involved. We've been, we've been doing it as well. And one school messaged the other day and said, oh, we've done 10,000 minutes of mindfulness wow. because we're doing 15 minutes in assembly. And they were just, so that's a great one as well. Because if everybody's a bit stressed with the lack yes. of work testing and panics about getting back to school, then yeah. that's something that could be a nice one to do as a family or in school as well. Oh, there's so there's so much on there. I love what you guys are doing so much. You every time I speak to you, Lee, I'm like, oh my God, it's so inspiring. It's so amazing. I really hope people listen to this and they're kind of fired up to get involved with school or to maybe just drop school a gentle email and, and sort of ask how they might be able to help or to, you know, instigate some of this stuff at home. Because exactly as you said, we can do it at home, we can do it at school. And I think this thing to realize as well is, you know, when we think about, oh, what can I do? I'm just one person. I'm just one family. Well, actually, within our family, we've got so many links into other organisations, into schools, into brownie packs, into, you know, all yeah. these different things. And it's thinking about how we can, how our actions can sort of ripple out. And I think this is such a gorgeous example of, of exactly that. Thank you so much. No, no problem. It's been lovely to speak to you. ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old gray matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably do let me know what that is i love to hear about the changes that people are making big or small every single one counts if you've enjoyed the show and i hope you have do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.